This is Daisenshu EX, the podcast, episode 59 for the week of January 7th, 2007. Welcome to Daisenshu EX, the podcast, an extension of the all-encompassing Star Wars website, I mean Dragon Ball fan site, Daisenshu EX. We cover anything and everything Star Wars, damn it, Dragon Ball, in hopes of enlightening and a little bit of entertaining. I'm Vegito EX. Mike Labrie. Uh-oh, caution, girl alert. Hey there, Gimpy. I mean, I mean, Vegito EX. Mike Labrie, also uh, known as Vegito EX. Yeah, that's Also me. known as Gimpy. That's me. How you doing? Good. Sweet. It's uh, Mike and Mary. It's the Mike and Mary show. We that's my favorite show ever. Normally, there's this dude named Julian, and uh, he ain't here. He's doing that whole girlfriend refreshing time alone together thing. Technically, you're doing that with me right now. Except our sessions are recorded. Yeah, that's true. But how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm glad. I'm very, very full. So thank you for dinner. Yeah, we went out. Ah, that's a story. (laughs) Ha ha, stories! Would you like to tell the story? I think we should both tell the story. All right. All right. So we go to Fridays for dinner because, you know, we like to go there for Saturday night dinners. And we have a nice table for two. Um, And there are a few families nearby. Eventually, this lady with a baby and a, uh, another kid show up and the lady asks for a high chair. Okay, whatever. That's all well and normal. So the guy shows up, or girl, I forget who it was. Was it the girl? Yeah, it was the girl. A girl server shows up with the high chair and the lady's like, oh, well, the straps don't lock. You should go back and get another one for me or something to and that And then she effect. has to talk to a manager, like right away. Oh, really? That yeah. part I didn't hear. Yeah. That makes it even worse. Anyway, you continue because your memory is better. So the manager brings out another high chair and it's exactly the same as the last one. Apparently, this one didn't have this little buckle thing on it. And she starts going off on him about how she waited 20 minutes, and this is a family restaurant, and she could never put her child in this high chair if it couldn't lock, and blah, 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 and oh, she's leaving, this is ridiculous. So, finally... Mike just comes right out and says to the lady, since we're sitting pretty nearby, he's like, just leave already. And of course she pulls the, what did you say to me? Well, actually, before that, as a man- <laughs> I didn't say this, as a manager had left to go get another chair, she did this thing. You see this all the time. It's fun observing people. It's that thing when people look around and try to find someone in the surrounding area for their acceptance and acknowledgement. Like, oh, oh, can you believe that? Kind of catch someone's gaze and and get them to connect with them. Well, she caught me. I just stared at the bitch. (laughs) Of course you did. Then she looked away, and she looked back, and I was still staring at the bitch. And then, yeah, then the manager came back with the other chair. So anyway, so, uh, yeah, Mike eventually bouts out with, uh, then leave already, and she's all like, what did you say? So she comes right over to Mike and I at our table. Yeah. Uh, and then there were words to be had. Of course, first thing out of her mouth was, you wouldn't understand, you don't have a kid! And, and all this sort of stuff. My son would just climb right out of that. And of course, Mary goes, all the other kids around here seem to be doing fine. And I pointed to a child, like, literally right behind her, sitting very nicely in his high chair, eating his dinner. Oh, she was pissed, and she eventually left. And Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, and of course she's like, you'll make a great father someday. We're like, yeah. Yeah, he I will. I will, because I will have control of my child. So but not he, to the point that you're obsessively <laughs> so controlling about So he won't climb it. out of high chairs and apparently wreak havoc on an entire restaurant. 
because he can't sit still. You know what? Fuck this lady. It all comes down to the fact that, and I was saying this in an earlier podcast, that the reason why I like Mike is because the way he acts online is how he acts on, uh, you know, in real life. The fuck moral, stupid the people. The moral of the story is don't fuck with Mike because if you're a stupid person, he's going to give you a hell of a time. I and want to enjoy my dinner. And if you're going to fucking whine to that, the nice little teenage high, high school girl. teenage server girl because you don't like the high chair, go fuck yourself. Please take that fork, shove it up your ass, and wobble out of the restaurant, and let me enjoy my espresso martini. Damn street. So, that was a story time. I guess, does that qualify as stuff, or do we have more stuff? Yeah, but I have more stuff. Okay. It's Dragon Ball related. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to listen to my drunken stories. <laughs> stories. Well, I have a Sapporo premium beer, Japan's oldest brand. And I've got a girly drink. This episode of Dignation is brought to you by Daisen Chewy X. Anyways, moving onwards. Stuff. Otakon artwork. Oh, right. We finally got this in the mail yesterday. What a fucking fiasco this was. I think the Otakon last year. Otakon. When was Otakon last year? I, I don't remember what month it was. August? It was in the summer. August 2006, right. let's say. I think this was the first real, what do you call it, the Artist Alley? Yeah, this is the first time we ever went to that. And it was okay. It was big. I really don't have an interest in this kind of stuff. Um, You know, like people's own t-shirt. I don't get internet culture, which is bizarre because I'm doing a podcast, but I just don't get it. And a lot of conventions are almost turning into internet culture conventions. Like as internet to jokes. Anime, yeah, as opposed to an anime convention. And it just, I, I'm old and get off my lawn. So <laughs> so we're in here and we are actually looking at some of the, what was the auction? It was the art auction, which okay. I thought was fun. I like that more than the artist alley. Yeah, there was some really sweet stuff in there. And so we're looking around and I actually saw a couple things that I liked, believe it or not. And the funniest thing about this is the individual who drew the things that I like is a member of my own forum. We realized that like after we were I saw the, the bids. name and I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. Not only do I like this, but I will support them. I put a bid on it, I think it was two things. Mm -hmm. There was a Dr. Slum picture and there was, I don't remember which Dragon Ball one it was. There were two really good Dragon Ball ones. One was um, a Dragon Ball One Piece kind of crossover picture and the other one was... And Naruto. And Naruto. It was like yeah, it was the, the three characters. Thing. Okay, and the other one was just like a Dragon Ball group shot. I think I put the bids on the Doctor. Well, I know I put the bid on the Doctor Slump one, and I think I did the Dragon Ball group shot one. There were these two really awkward people standing there wanting to make bids on things. So I had to wait until they walked away before I put bids on things. They seemed to be like stalking to make sure no one else came up and bid on anything. Yeah, but we were doing the same thing. Yeah, but so. we were walking around to make it a little less obvious. And then we sent Brad to go look at. See what oh they were right, doing. I forgot that we had poor Brad dragged <laughs> with us. If if he manages to listen to this episode, I apologize. Way way later. <laughs> so eventually, you know, bids blah blah blah. I put bids on these. In the long run, I won the Doctor Slump one. That was great. However, when the way this auction works apparently is that you come back at the end of like Sunday and you have your number and you see if you won or not. Well, when we went there at the correct time, apparently the computer crashed and they lost all of their ballot counts or something. And they had to redo it all from scratch. Come back later. How much later? We don't know. At this point, it's Sunday. We usually head out, you know, it's relatively like early on Sunday. near the end of the convention at this point. So we went around. We went to, like, the dealer's room. We were fucking exhausted. We tried to find things to do. There's nothing to do the end of Sunday at Otakon. So, like, an hour later, we went back. And they... Did we go back one or two? Whenever we went back for the last time, the line was like way the fuck out in no man's land. It was like land. wrapped around the artist alley. It was kind ridiculous. Of sort of and I'm like, I'm a grown up. 
I have a job to go to the next day. I'm tired. I can't, I'm tired. I can't deal Get with this. I'm tired. I need to go. So the way they did this was if you don't pick it up, they would they took your credit card number ahead of time. If you didn't pick it up, they would charge you for it and ship it to you. I'm like, great, fine. I don't care. They'll ship it to me. I got charged for it like a month later. Nothing ever showed up. I come home from work yesterday. This is January 07 now. And I finally have something from Oticon. Holy fucking Moses. That is a long time. I don't know if this is normal, if this is traditional. Maybe this is the first time they actually sent things out to people. I don't know. I mean, this was our first time bidding on anything. So so what do we know? Yeah, I have no idea how it works. I thought it was an extraneous amount of time. And it came slightly damaged. There's a couple bends. They didn't really put a whole lot of effort into it. I think they're figuring if you didn't show up to pick it up, well, fuck you. We're not going to send it all that well. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I came to pick it up. You crashed your computer. That's not my fault. But anyways, I would like to thank Mr. Announcer, which I believe is a woman, for drawing the picture. I got the Dr. Slump one. I love it. It's, it's in the bedroom right now. I think I moved it in you there. You put it in a frame since it is a little bit bent. Yeah, just kind of flatten it out a little bit more. Yeah, we'll hang it up somewhere. The picture's not really ruined. It's more the, the black frame has a crease in it. Yeah, is that what you call it? Yeah. I don't even fucking know what you call this stuff. <laughs> but um, So that's awesome. I'm glad I got it. And uh, so thank you. And don't go to Artist Alley's because they suck unless you know someone and buy their stuff and support them. And we have more stuff going on this week. Not Dragon Ball related. I am ridiculously addicted to Guitar Hero 2. Yes. Um, there's a story behind this too. As some of you may know, we were out of the state this past New Year's. We were yeah. in Chicago visiting friends. Oh, more on that later too. Oh, and some of our friends are ridiculously loaded, um, I'd say. And uh, some friend of ours got us uh, Guitar Hero 2. And like six other games. And, and six other video games in addition to this. Awesome. So it's like, that's more than I get from like my parents. Yeah. I got from like this one guy. Awesome. Um, and his girlfriend. So and his girlfriend. Cool. And it was to both of us. So yeah. it's kind of like a four-way deal. Now, Ooh. I didn't hop on the Guitar Hero train at first. I played it once or twice, the original at Best Buy or something. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't really like any of these songs. Well, this one's fucking awesome. So my entire week has been a combination. Well, when I say this, I mean at work listening to music. It's been a combination of listening to The Police Greatest Hits and rap music from 1993 and 1994. That's a pretty fabulous mix there. So yeah, I go from Message in a Bottle to nothing but a G-Thang. Yeah, that's how I roll this week. (laughs) Mike rolls this week, rap style and and police Police is awesome. It makes me appreciate songs more. So that's the stuff for the week. Julian's somewhere. It's Mary and I, and we have a topic for you. We oh, have some emails. Right. We got lots of news. We do. Um, some DVD news and some uh, game news. So let's get into the news, and then we'll get to the topic and then the emails. Well, the big news from the last couple of weeks has, of course, been Funimation and their remastered DBZ and all the shenanigans encompassing this stuff. Now, for those of you in other countries, we like to acknowledge you every once in a while. So how about them, they're Australians? We've talked about Australia in the past. There's a distributor down there named Madman who pretty much handles all of Funimation stuff. And I think they do like ADV and maybe some other companies. They're like the middleman that takes shit from other places and... Puts it out there. Well, Madman has put up a thread on their official forum from someone who appears to be an employee, and it looks like Madman will indeed be putting out Funimation's remastered DBZ down there in Australia. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. 
Now, I'm going to load up this thread here because they have some really interesting things to say about this. Normally, like Funimation, they try to be really upbeat and plug all the great things about After it. After all, it's pretty much a press release. Right. That's what you got to do. Well, this Madman post is kind of interesting because, in essence, they flat out say right here, quote, While we would have ultimately been happier with a 4x3 release, this is out of our control and is a decision that Funimation has made, but will present some interesting ways to view DBZ. Interesting ways. So they're huh? kind of like, what I think is going on is that they just found out they can release it, and they don't know anything more than what you've heard on this podcast in the past. So they're kind of like, well, fuck. Um, we don't really know anything. Here's what we know. We're going to put it out. Hope you like it. This kind of goes along with what Corey said last week, where if someone just kind of came out and said this, we'd kind of respect them a little more for it. Mm-hmm. Madman's at least like, you know what? It's we're like we wish we had out. the we wish we had the proper version, but but this is what we got. Take it or leave it, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I respect that. That's pretty good. Respect. And it seems to be pretty cheap down there. They're saying um, retail price of fifty nine ninety five in the Australian price. That's pretty good considering um, retail price here is fifty, so mm-hmm. not too shabby. Um, and it, they're saying the same thing. Um, something that is interesting is that it looks like they're going to get it progressive too. Maybe it is then mastered down to a standard definition 480p format suitable for viewing on regular DVDs. This also means that these new sets will be presented in a true PAL format, something that is unprecedented for such a long TV anime series. Now, the way that our progressive works is we can go from 23.976 to 29.97 pretty reasonably well with a 3x2 pull down tag and that might be a little over some people's heads but let's just say the math works and that if you duplicate the right frames it, it, it works without you seeing weird things um, progressive NTSC to progressive pal doesn't quite work the same way so they might have to do some tweaking with the audio to get it work just right i don't know but it sounds like they're going to try and keep things as raw as they can and put it out well down there in australia so that's exciting if you're in australia and you're wondering like well what happens to us so you get that stuff too let's move on to more dvd news how do you say the name navare i've i thought it was navare okay we'll assume that's what it is funimation's parent company who bought them a while ago Apparently, their online catalog has a date for DBZ Remastered Season 2. Wow, that was fast. It is. They're listing it as May 22nd, 2007 for forty nine ninety eight. It's got a UPC code and everything, so it looks like uh, it's a done deal. Uh, a lot of the anime news sites right now are putting up, uh, oh, we uh, we found these listings for like new Beck DVDs and all that stuff. I think you were just looking at it. Yeah, it was like um, 10 minutes and, ago. And this is... It goes along with that, but none of the sites seem to be talking about Dragon Ball. No. Which is interesting. I figured they'd be more on top of it because this is pretty controversial. Right. Controversial right now. But, uh, so there you have it. Uh, it's not officially confirmed. Uh, it sounds like this information was leaked online a little early, but if Funimation's gonna pump out a 291 episode series, might make sense to put that out as fast as they can. True, true. Moving onwards into more DVD news. This is kind of a big one. Uh, Toei has announced they're putting out individual discs of the original Dragon Ball in Japan. Kind of similar to, I guess, the individual releases of DBZ. It's yeah, you know, the Dragon Box episodes, right? But 
individual for Dragon Ball. Right. DBZ ends next month in February. There's there four more discs coming out next month. I think there is. And then uh, they're ready to go with Dragon Ball. And they're going to start that. They'll skip a month, uh, give themselves a little time off. They're starting it on April 4th, which they're calling Four Star Ball Day. Aww. Isn't that cute? Because it's, nice. it's the fourth the fourth month. Adorable. And it's the Four Star Ball Day. Oh, jeez. That's as good as the Nana first DVD marketing strategy. That is kind of cute. Uh, I guess there's an ad for it in Weekly Jump 6-7, blah, blah, based on the Dragon Box release from 2004. We know all that. It's going to be 26 volumes, averaging about six episodes per disc. Um, all the releases will have new cover art. Oh, no, Toriyama's not doing it himself. And uh, each disc is going to be the same price, 3990 yen. So that's about it. Although we don't know how many there's going to be per month. It's three with DBZ right now, except for that last month. But starts in April, so that's cool. Look forward to that. And then the last bit of news for the week, which kind of segues ourselves into a topic. Sparking Neo, the Wii version in Japan. We've told you that there's extra characters. We know about Apul, unnamed henchman from Frieza's army. And there was Pilaf in the mech suit. Well, we have another two characters. Very cool shit. Piccolo Daimao, which people have just been clamoring for. On every little game forum I see. And Cyborg Tau Pai Pai, kill you! I love him. I know. Bust out, jealous. The, bust out the blade. Get some cutting going on. He's gonna cut your ass. And the Suvadodom. He'll knife ya. Pa! I love him. He's one of my favorite characters. So that's pretty cool. They're pretty cool guys. Uh, as far as we know, they're not in the American version because that came out a while ago. But the European version is supposed to be getting them. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I think that's it for news. Time to move on to the topic. <laughs> topic this week is kind of a video game extravaganza. Yes, this isn't quite our retro review extravaganza so much as it is more of a, a, a history of um, imported games. Right. Now, Mary and I have been into Dragon Ball for a very long time now. How long has it been? I started in 90- September of 95. Okay, so we are well over 10 years now. Oh, good lord. The Dragon Ball gaming kind of came to an end in 1997 with Final Bout. Right. And then saw a resurgence a couple of years later, especially with the American market. Right. So there's a couple things we want to talk about here. One is, why would you import games in the first place? How do you import games? And then what do you do with them? And then finally, why would you do it? What's what's the reason? Why would you want to import games? I think that was that your first I, question. Is that what I just said? Well, it kind yeah. of brings itself full circle. <laughs> nice. Yes. Let's uh, put Mary and myself in our own shoes. I know, I know me. I know you too. DBZ was, you know, airing in syndication. What if you want to play some Dragon Ball games? Well, we kind of had two in the U.S. That's it. And one wasn't really a Dragon Ball game by the time it got here. The original was Dragon Power, which came out on the NES. Um, I think it was actually called The Mystery of Shenlong in Japan, something like that. Um, and I think the undies got turned into a hot dog or something crazy like that. That doesn't really count. Then the only other Dragon Ball game we ever had in the U.S. was what we were given as Dragon Ball GT Final Bout, which only came out as Dragon Ball Final Bout in Japan. Kind of strange, but whatever, because we didn't have GT. What the fuck was with that? I don't even know. Why would they call um, it GT? That's a good... Because the back, the back of the Final Bout box in Japan is both the Z and the GT logo, because it's kind of like both series is. Mm-hmm. just happens to have Golden Lozaru Bebby as a box. I, I don't know. Anyways, so that's all there was, and we loved it, because... 
that's all there was, even though Final Battle is a piece of shit game. But we love it anyways. I did. I rented a uh, PlayStation just so I can play Final Battle. Yeah, Blockbuster used to have that shit. Mm-hmm. Before it was like 100 bucks. But what if you wanted to play other Dragon Ball games? You do a little research online and you see that there are dozens of Dragon Ball games. Tons on the Super Famicom, uh, just as many on the Famicom, that's the Super Nintendo and regular Nintendo. There were even some Game Boy games, and there were three on PlayStation, there were two on Saturn, then there were even some other things like the Playdia games, um, there's the PC Engine game. So what if you wanted to play some of these? You know, I'm into Dragon Ball, I'm into video games, I want to play stuff. Well, the only thing you can really do at that point in time, the late 90s, is import the games. And for most people, those were the three PlayStation 1 games. You know, we had Final Bout, but there was Ultimate Battle 22, and then Idai Noru Dorakamboru Densetsu, or as Dragon everyone Ball just Legends. calls it, Legends, because that's so much easier to say. I did. I got all three PS1 games. Those were fun. So what we're going to do here is pretty much go system by system and say, what did you have to do with these systems to play these games? We're not going to tell you about all the games because there's a lot of them. I'm looking at some of the Super Famicom games right here, and I'm kind of frightened. And what's really fun about this is I just got a new Super Nintendo for Christmas from Mary because she's awesome. Thank you, thank you. My old Super Nintendo kind of refused to play games anymore. So what I'm going to do with this new Super Nintendo is do some surgery on it, and we're going to take pictures along the way of what you need to do to your Super Nintendo to play Super Famicom games. Now, right off the bat, we want to say we do not condone bootlegging of any kind. Everything that we're going to talk about we own the actual video game systems, and we own the actual games. And we hope that you do too when you take our advice. In fact, some of these won't work with bootlegs anyways, so you're shit out of luck. And I say, <laughs> But overall, yeah, no bootlegging. Bootlegs bad, okay? Now normally we would start with the NES. I don't have a whole lot of familiarity with playing import NES games. I did fix my NES by pushing all the pins back into place. So you don't have to blow on stuff anymore. That was pretty awesome. Except I still need to put all the screws back together. My NES has no cover on it right now. It looks pretty awesome. It's pretty so, hardcore. <laughs> so we're going to skip the NES. But what we're going to do is Caster Troy has the barcode battler for the NES. Because he's a little bit more awesome than me. So we're going to record something later and then a couple episodes down the road. Um, we'll do the NES segment with Castro and we'll talk about that barcode battle or two. That'll be pretty sweet. Sounds like a plan. So we're going to skip right into the Super Nintendo. Now there are so many games on the Super Nintendo. Probably most well known for the Super Butoden series. Which were kind of like the, the one-on-one 2D fighting games. And also Hyperdimension. Which, yes. Mary, you're totally in love with. Mm -hmm. Now, the Super Nintendo. We've talked about the Super Nintendo in the past a little bit. I think I even took some pictures. But we're going to take pictures of it along the way. Super Nintendo and Super Famicom, back then with the cartridge systems, there weren't really software lockout like they are nowadays. Like, you can just put a Japanese PS2 game in your PS2 because it's just DVD. I mean, there's nothing. it's not like a square that doesn't fit in the system. Well, back then, what they did to get around people playing um, other countries' games was that the cartridge slots would be a little different, or maybe the cartridges would be a little different shaped. The pin connectors would fit together, but you couldn't actually get the cartridge in there because there was just something that didn't fit. Well, the Super Nintendo was one of the easiest ones to get around back then. Because if you look inside your Super Nintendo, there are these two little, I don't even know what you call them, just tabs. These little square things if you just push open your cartridge slot. And the problem is that your Super Nintendo games have grooves that fit around those tabs, whereas the back of a Super Famicom game is just flat. 
So when, if you put it in the Super Famicom game, it hits those tabs, and you never make the connection with those pins. So what people did was they just took a pair of pliers and ripped those two tabs out. It takes a couple minutes, and you know, it's fun destroying things in the process. But you don't actually ruin your system. You can still put in your Super Nintendo games because the groove doesn't matter. It's not there. It just fits like normal. So that was pretty easy. You you could just uh, have some fun with your system. Another thing that you could do, and I really don't recommend this, my first copy of Super Butoden 3 actually had grooves drilled in the back of the cartridge itself, which was kind of strange. I'm a little hesitant to do that because I wouldn't want to destroy the contents of the chips inside the game. I think if you're messing around with a drill, not even a drill if you're just kind of like filing into it, I think there's too much risk there. So the best bet is to rip those tabs out with the pliers, and you're good to go with games from both countries. And so we're going to play some Hyper Dimension. I'm psyched Yay! for new Super Nintendo. We're going to move on. Genesis. We actually talked about this one in the past recently, too. Uh, same thing as with the Super Nintendo. The cartridge slot is a little different, and it doesn't quite fit. Rounded edges versus square edges. This one's easy to get around if you have a Game Genie. Because the Game Genie at the top doesn't have those kind of rounded or square edges. So you put the Game Genie in your Genesis, and then you put your Mega Drive game on top of the Game Genie, and you're set to go. And then you can make awesome towers with your Genesis and your 32X and your Game Genie and your Sonic and Knuckles and then your Mega Drive game. It looks awesome. It doesn't work if you do all that, but it still looks spectacular. So Genesis was pretty easy to get around. Um, I know there are also some uh, kind of pass-through pin things that people made. But the Game Genie does the same thing, and that's probably easier to get. If you look around on eBay, you'll have an easier time finding a Genesis Game Genie than you will, like, import Mega Drive devices to play with. So I'd suggest going that route. But there's really only one game, and that's Buu Retsuden. If you have um, any of the Super Butoden games, it's not really worth it to get the Mega Drive game, too. But that's how you do that one. Let's talk about some easy ones. How about the Game Boy? Nada! You don't have to do shit! I love these! Handhelds have always been great in that they're really never region-locked. Um, every Game Boy cartridge from every country in the world is exactly the same. There's no NTSC versus PAL to worry about, anything like that. They just plug right in there. All the systems are universal. There are a couple Japanese Game Boy games, um, even before Game Boy Color. Um, here's one. I don't remember what the title of this one is, but it has Goku and Piccolo and Vegeta. And it says, Nintendo Game Boy, Dragon Ball Z, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure I can't read it's it. actually a Super Game Boy Enhanced, too. Oh, boy. It says, Goku, your mom. No. Goku, uh... <laughs> I don't remember he's, titles. Hishuden? Hishuden? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And you can just plug this shit right into your Game Boy. And what's also great is that I have the original Toaster Game Boy with me right now. So you can take pictures of me putting this game in every single Game Boy. Because I'm a Nintendo nerd. You're going to put it in? All I'm going gonna, gonna to shove it in there. Shove it in all of them. Yes. Let's move on to some harder systems now. Actually, this oh, isn't that hard. difficult. How about the Sega Saturn? This is a fun one. Uh, if you put it in a Japanese game, you now it's not going to load. But there are some great things to get around this with. And one of them is this Action Replay slash 4-Meg RAM cart. Now, if you've um, gone around the block with Saturn a little bit, you know that some of the later games, especially um, the Capcom 2D fighters like Marvel vs. not Marvel vs. Capcom, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, they had the RAM carts. I think Alpha 3 also used it too. And SNK games did. So what this device is, is it acts both as an action replay, which is a cheat device. You can save games on it. And it also acts as this uh, kind of get around and play Japanese games thing. 
So you pop that card in the cartridge slot, you put it in your Japanese game, it comes up to the menu, and you just do start game, and you're playing Shinbuto Den, easy as pie. And I think it's cheap too. It's like 25 bucks or something like that. So if you can track down the Saturn for cheap, which is actually not that hard on eBay these days, you grab this uh, action replay device, you are good to go with uh, the Saturn Legends or Shinbu Toden. Shinbu Toden is probably going to cost you more than the cheat device and the Saturn itself. That's fun. PS1. Mary, you are familiar with this through mine. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, I remember the first time I saw this, I could not believe my eyes. <laughs> Before, I wondered why would anyone want to go to such lengths just to play a video game? Uh, oh, how PS1. little I knew. The very first model PS1 had this thing called the swap trick. That's It was like this infamous thing that you could do, where if you hold the thing open with a spring, the um top, the flip, you know where you put the game. As soon as the game hits doubles, because the PS1 drive was two speed, right. so it spins for a little bit, then as soon as it hits two speed, you rip the game out and put your Japanese game in. And then it slows back to one speed, and you swap games again. Then as soon as it hits two speed again, you swap back to the Japanese version. I don't think I necessarily got that order right, but it's something along those lines. And it would magically play the Japanese game because it would read the region code from the U.S. game and then start reading the game data from the Japanese game. It was this bizarre thing, but apparently it worked. And I also hear reports, oh, if you turn the system at a 45-degree angle. I remember that one. <laughs> it's funny to think that people actually had to sit there, like, experimenting with all this. Hmm, if I put my PlayStation at a 46-degree angle, it does not appear to work. If I put my PlayStation in a microwave and hit start, will uh, it play imports? Will I be able to play... <laughs> However, there was a much easier way to do this. I think later models of the PlayStation got rid of this, but on the first two or three, there's a parallel port on the back, the back right, and they made um, action replays that you can plug into those. Of course, action replays are really supposed to be for cheating. However, they were also used to play import games. What this really allowed you to do was kind of a slowed down version of the swap trick. You would start out... I have this little spring that I use to prop open the... I don't even know what to call it. The, the cover. The top? The Where opening? you press open and the thing opens the up. flap. For those of you who remember the original PlayStation, and then there's this little button that kind of like lets it know that the cover is closed. So if you put a spring there, it tricks it into thinking it's closed. So you prop that open, you put a US game in, and then you start off the device with the action replay. That brings up a menu. What you do from there is you go to the file explorer, which I think on mine was the last option, and it would load up the contents of the game disc and just give you like a folder listing. You X out of that, and it would slow down and just stop spinning the disc. Take out the American disc, put in the Japanese disc, go to start game. It's read the region data from the first game, and then just boots up the Japanese game, no problem. And this is how we played Legends in Ultimate Battle 22 and the Japanese Final Bout. Good times. So, kind of strange, but that's how we did it. And we played our Japanese games. Now, I'm going to stop it here. We've been talking about the older games, where at this point, if you wanted to play them, all there were were the original Japanese versions of the games. So that makes sense. You can't play an American version that doesn't exist. After 97, we had a dry spell for a little bit. Then out of nowhere, um, Japan got Legendary Super Warriors on the Game Boy Color at that point. And then we got Legacy of Goku. And from then on, it's just that been this... And then Dragon Ball got popular in the it, U.S. Ridiculous. This deluge of games. The, the Budokai series and the Sparking series and another four Legacy of Goku games. Actually, three or... I don't remember. And it's, sagas! And sagas, and advanced <laughs> adventure, which is a Japanese game. And shit, what else do we have? 
Uh, there's a few more Tie handhelds. Tycat 2! Yes. Collectible card game, 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 Game Boy Color. No, that was an advanced one, but whatever. So the point is, now we have all these new games coming out. Some of them are Japanese, some of them are American. Some of them don't come out in America, some of them don't come out in Japan. So really, you're kind of on both sides of the ocean here saying, well, I want to play their game, what do I do? So let's talk about a couple of these systems and what you can do with them to play import games. We'll assume you're in America, um, silly Europeans, you got PAL stuff to worry about. So I can't talk about that. Let's say you're in America and you want to play a Japanese game. PS2 was always notoriously difficult to mod beginning on. Uh, you, there was You had to solder like six bazillion different points in the system. You had to give your system to like the creepy kid in your dorm. Yeah. He's the only one that knew how to mod a PS2 and then you pay him <laughs> like 300 bucks to do it. Exactly. And you didn't mind. Right. Now, I, I will say right off the bat that I've never modded a PS2. I'm not too well versed in these ways. So maybe we'll talk about this with Caster later on too. I think he did this. But I know of a couple different things you can do. There's a swap disc, which I don't think actually works that well. There's something called a slide card, and I'm not too familiar with this, but I know that's what Caster was doing for the longest time. And then there's also an exploit you can use with the PS2 hard drive, which is primarily used for Final Fantasy XI. There are also a couple other games in Japan that use it. I don't know of any others in the U.S. that use it. Maybe there's one or two. But it's like this exploit with a PS1 game save where you can just copy games to your hard drive and load them up on your PS2. And yeah, unfortunately, that's mostly used for bootlegging games. But if you own the Japanese version, you can also do that too. For me, I said, fuck that. I am not going to deal with that shit. I am just buying a Japanese PS2 because I don't have to worry about anything. I'm not interested in bootlegging any games. Let me get a Japanese PS2. Well, I made out like a bandit. One of the awesome dudes from Anime Next um, was selling his. He just made a message about it on um, the uh, con mailing list. And I said, yes, please. I scooped that shit right up. I think it was as Budokai 3 was coming out in Japan. Yes. And I really wanted that. It's like, oh, we got this this year, and then Sparkling's coming out next year. Let me get that shit. You could go through all the trouble with the PS2 modding. I don't know enough about it. I suggest just getting the import system. The PS2 library is so ridiculously huge, and so many games since then have gone to greatest hits, that you can really get a lot of games just nice and cheap. I'm looking at our Japanese PS2 library. Oh, yeah. What, what is that, like 12 games that we have? Let's there? count. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Actually, one of them's... It's the English-Asian version of Tekken 5, ah. but, it, but it plays on the Japanese PS2. I got it for like 9 bucks. It was awesome, and it was still 50 over here. Go me. Sweet. And then we got Fighting for One Piece, which is a travesty of gaming. And One Piece. And One Piece. <laughs> but it was cheap, and I got it. How many of these are Dragon Ball? We got D.O.N., Budokai 1, well, I should say Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball Z 2, Dragon Ball Z 3, Sparking, Sparking Neo, Super DBZ. Is that Seven. It? Yeah. Awesome. Well, if you can, D.O.N. Yes, so I say import a Japanese PS2. I think they're going for around the same price as an American PS2 now. If you shop around online, like maybe 130 bucks at the max, that's not too bad for a Japanese system. Especially if you're into things like the Bimani series. Hells yeah. All the Japanese DDRs, Beat Manias, and then there's things like Guitar Freaks and Drum Mania, all that stuff. Definitely go for all those. PS2 has such a big library, like I said, just... The best route is to get a Japanese PS2. There's a couple other uh, game systems we can talk about. Real easy for these. Yes. GameCube. Everyone has a GameCube for the sole purpose of playing a couple games. Smash Brothers, maybe a little Mario Party. There's 
always the one dude who whips out the GameCube and he's like, let's play Naruto. Hells yeah. The Gekito Ninja Tyson series, which I think is up to four now. I have four. Too many other games. I forget I have it. I want to play it more. It was so good. <laughs> you got too much. Ah! The Naruto series on GameCube was really good. So a lot of people wanted to play import games on their GameCube. Of course, those games have since started coming out in the U.S. But what there is, this fantastic thing called the Freeloader. And it's essentially another swap trick thing. Or it loads up U.S. Um, region data, says, okay, put in your Japanese game. And you don't even have to prop anything open. It's okay to press open and swap the disc out. It's fantastic. I think it does a little BIOS bypassing, too. I don't know the true technical specifics on it. But it's real easy. It's this Freeloader disc. That's what it's called. It's just called Freeloader aptly named. So pick that up and you can play your Japanese games. Now what Dragon Ball games are there to play in your GameCube? Well, there's Budokai 1 and 2. That's it. So if you're a Dragon Ball fan you want to play import GameCube games, well by now you probably already have those games. Eh, the only real difference is that the GameCube port of the first Budokai game used the cell shading graphics in the later games. But that came out in America too. Budokai mm -hmm. 1 and 2. So whatever. It, it's out there if you want to get those. You want to play the Naruto games too. There's lots of other great Japanese stuff. Freeloader disc. Done. Done deal. You're good. A couple other systems here. And these are the easiest ones. Just like the old Game Boy. The DS and the PSP. Completely region free. Pop in the game. Love you're, it when that happens. You're good to go. How considerate. So how about the DS? What is there to play? Well we know there's Jump Superstars and Jump Ultimate Stars. And those will never come out in the U.S., so if you want to play those, you definitely have to import them. You know, like every game, you have the language barrier to worry about. But you know you can pop in the game. You're not going to have to worry about modding anything. It just works. Now, coming out um, in the spring, we have the new DS RPG, Haru Kanoru Goku Densetsu. So we don't know if that's getting the U.S. release yet. I'll probably get the import version. I don't know. Maybe I'll get both. If it comes out. If it comes out. Is that it for DS games? We got Bukura Sen as Supersonic Warriors 2. Even though the translation in that, you might as well be playing it in Japanese. <laughs> oh my god, the translation in that game is atrocious. There's spelling errors all over oh, the geez. place. Um, so you can go both ways in that game. The PSP, there's Shin Budokai. And the American version had selectable Japanese voices. So there's really no reason to get the Japanese version of that game. As far as I know, there's no extras or music changes or anything like that. But hey, if you want to get the import version, you're free to because it'll play it. So Mary, what I want to talk about with you right now is we've gone through all the systems, talked about how you can play these import games. Why would you do it today? Don't the Budokai games, don't, doesn't everything come out in the U.S.? Why would you do that today? If you're super, super hardcore and you just simply want to own everything, like a certain Vegito EX I know. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, That's the only reason I can think of if you're like a completionist or a collector or... You like imports. You like seeing the Japanese versions and stuff. That's the only reason I can see it. Well, let me hit you with this. And this answer is an email later, but we'll be sure to readdress it. What happened to the Sparking series? The music was changed. All right. Now, like I've said time and time again, you know, I don't love the Sparking series, but the whole point of Sparking is to play the show. Is to play the show. You have the characters and their voices, and it's the music from the show in the Japanese version. Well, when Sparking and Sparking Neo came out here, that Japanese version music isn't in there. You have new music. The first Sparking had recycled Budokai music, and Sparking Neo had, like, some completely new stuff. So for me, it was like, if I'm going to play the show, I'm going to play the show that I know, the show that I love, and that has to be the Japanese version. I think that one probably makes the most sense. Right. That one's simply a matter of preference, whereas everything else, 
if you were to get that stuff this day and age, it's simply because you want to have it. This one's more like a, you know, your own personal feelings on which version you want to experience. Well, how about I hit you with some other stuff then? Hit me, baby. How about extras? What extras? How about extra stuff on Japanese versions of games that came out later? It depends. I mean, if it's no big deal, I'm not going to give a crap. Teresa! Okay, not enough to sell me. <laughs> I know it is for you, What if but... I got it for like 10 bucks? <coughs> Maybe. Well, because I did. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. And 10 bucks is no big. Most of the games, especially since Sparking, have been pretty close American and Japanese releases, so there hasn't been a whole lot of extras. But now we have the Wii version, the Japanese Wii version of Sparking That's Neo. kind of crazy. That's crazy because it came out in Japan first on the PS2. Then we got it in the U.S. on the PS2. And then later we got it in the U.S. on the Wii. And now it's finally coming out in Japan on the Wii. And that's the version that got extra characters and stuff. So that one, that's totally your call. Yeah, that one, you know, if you're talking about extras, everything like a piddly one character here a and there. Pool! But this is like, what, four or five new people? And of course, we don't really know how to play import Wii games yet. People say they're working on a freeloader, but whatever. At this point, you'd have to import the Japanese Wii, too. So that one's kind of crazy. It's a bit too early. Yeah. <laughs> so what systems would you say would be would make the most sense to just import this system? To import the system, I think, for the reasons that you gave PS2, mm -hmm. hands down. And what's great about that is the backwards compatibility is 100%, unlike the uh, PS3 stuff that's going on. More so in Japan than the U.S. But you can play your Japanese PS1 games on your Japanese PS2. And the biggest thing for me with that was Legends. Now, Legends is a strange game because its audio is Redbook audio. That means you can put the game in your CD player, skip track one. Track two onwards is the actual like music from the game and also the narration tracks. With the swap trick in the early days, you would have this problem where you wouldn't always get all of the music while you were playing. Supposedly, if the game you started with had more audio tracks than your Japanese one, then you would get all of the music. So, like, for me, Legends didn't have title screen music when I would play it on my PS1. That kind of sucked. But now when I play it on my Japanese PS2, you know, I get all of the music, all the voices, all the sound effects. So, at least for me, that made the game almost kind of new again to make sure I had all of the music when I was playing it. Ultimate Battle 22 and Final Bout didn't have that problem. So PS2 probably makes the most sense in that we've had so many games on the PS2, and you can play your PS1 games. And Legends never came out in the US, and its greatest hits get it for like 20 bucks. So that probably is a good deal a good right sell. there. Um, I don't know if any of the other systems themselves are worth importing, because they're so easy to play imports on. Like the Saturn, you plug in the RAM cartridge, you're done. Super Nintendo, rip out the tabs, you're done. DS, you don't have to do anything. So I think the only contender here is the PS2. I agree. Now one thing to keep in mind if you do import a system, and I haven't done this yet because I'm retarded. Andrew has this. There's this little um, adapter modulator thing for the power supply because the power in Japan is slightly different than the power here in the U.S. You can plug it right into a normal um, power outlet here and it'll play. But I think over time it'll fuck up the system. And you're supposed to go down to Radio Shack and get this little converter that internally adjusts. I, I don't even know what the technical term is because I'm not an electrician. that like fixes the power supply for the system. So go get that. Don't be dumb like me. I should get it eventually. Because I would be very sad when my PS2 dies on me. My PS1 died on me. That's one big thing I forgot to mention with the PS1, is that over time, um, doing the swap trick-esque kind of things... It will destroy it. 
Yeah, your PS1 won't work anymore. Of course, it was also just overused, <laughs> but um, I, I really think it was the action replay and the playing the import games that really burned out that laser. So I was happy to get a PS2, American and Japanese, because I could still play everything. I think that wraps up our guide to importing. Once again, I would really like to stress, we do not condone any bootlegging whatsoever, especially with the older games, older PS2 games, like they're cheap, just get them, hop on eBay, I got a crap ton of games for a nice price, there's no reason to bootleg this stuff, we, we don't condone it, I won't help you bootleg or play bootlegs, like with the Saturn, the action replay, it will play imports, but it won't play bootlegs, which is great, because I don't have any bootlegs. I just have lots of Japanese games, so it doesn't even affect me. So just be aware of that. Don't play the bootlegs. Play the real stuff. That is going to wrap up our guide to importing and playing Dragon Ball games. Of course, most people are just playing the American ones, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you're used oh, no, to, no, it's easy. It's convenient. Yeah, if you're used to the Funimation voices, and even if you're not, most of the games have those the game. selectable voices. Yeah, I played through the first three Budokai with the English voices, starting to irritate me after a while. I couldn't play as Frieza. I was so sad because I really wanted to, but I just couldn't take it. And then when I got the Japanese Budokai 3, I was such a happy boy. So I played as Frieza again. And I love him in Super DBZ. There you go. Super DBZ didn't have the selectable Japanese voices. Ah, there you ah. go. <laughs> but that really wraps it up. Um, Julian's not here. We're kind of giving the top five a little rest for now as we keep getting more and more suggestions which is great. If you have any ideas for a top five list, send it in. We'd love to hear what you want to hear Mary's opinions on. My opinion matters to you. It matters to me. So what we're going to get into right now is a couple quick releases. On January 1st, Sparky Neo came out on the Wii in Japan. Whatever. January 10th, Mary, what be up? January 10th, there's a lot of DVDs sitting in the Japanese front. It's the individual DVD releases of Dragon Ball Z Volumes 43, 44, and 45. These encompass episodes 250 to 267. There's only four more volumes left after these three. The entire Dragon Ball Z series will be done in Japan in February. As usual, these retail for 39.90 yen each. Good stuff. And those are the individual releases from the Dragon Box, like we were talking about earlier with Dragon Ball. So these will be done next month. Take a month off, and then Dragon Ball starts. So we'll still have releases. Ha ha! And then, uh, this isn't January, but we want to mention it, because I don't think I've said this yet. But it looks like there's a release date for Dragon Ball Zetto Haru Kanaru Goku Densetsu. Earlier than we thought. Yeah, February 8th. Um, that's the new RPG coming out on the DS in Japan. It's kind of that old-school card-based game. Uh, there's no word yet on an American release as of yet, and it is $48.90 on PlayAsia. And kind of keeping it going with the uh, kind of game persona of this episode, we get some game-related emails. Okay, our first email comes from... Calvat79. I think it's Clavat. Clavat. Sorry about that. Hello there, Mike, Mary, and Julian. My name is Clavat79. <laughs> That's a funny name to be called. And I was listening to some of the older podcasts, number 48 to be exact, and you swell folks were talking about Sparking Neo the game. Exclamation point. Yay! You guys said that Grandpa Gohan, guy that raised Goku to not confuse people, was playable in the game. 
and that it was the first time we could please him. Well, sorry to break it to you, but you're wrong. No! He was actually a playable character in the game called Dragon Ball Advanced Adventure. That game that came out for the GBA in summer 2006. It was a pretty good game for the action, but it was very easy and didn't tell the story of young Goku very well. Anyway, I think you should check it out because it was a very easy game, but a very fun battle mode. The battle mode is like a 2D fighter, like your Street Fighters, but stripped down. Thanks for your time, guys. Well, Clavat79, you're actually wrong on a couple fronts here. First of all, the game came out in Japan in 2004. Stupid American version is one that came out in 2006. Uh, I think that's really all you're wrong on. But <laughs> Yes, I, I wouldn't say I got it wrong so much as I forgot about it. Like I said last week, I didn't actually play through all of Advanced Adventure. Though I did actually know that Son Gohan was a playable character. And I think I just kind of forgot about the game. But yes, it's it true. On your mind. It's true. Grandpa Gohan is playable in Advanced Adventure. Um, Japanese version is Advanced Adventure. And the US version is Advanced Adventure. Not sure why they did that. But hey, Whatever. lots of cool playable characters in that game. The next two emails are from two different people. One is from Doug and one is from Tim. And they're kind of the same question. So I'm just going to paraphrase both. And both of them are asking about Jump Superstars and their local Best Buy. Apparently both of them have seen the game at their Best Buy. It's $50 and they want to know a couple things from a couple people here. Is it worth playing? Should I just get Ultimate Stars? And it's in Japanese, what the hell do I do? Well, we haven't gotten to our Jump Ultimate Stars discussion yet. We do still want to review the game. Well, let's go through a couple of the questions. Should you buy it? Should you get it instead of Jump Ultimate Stars? I don't know. That's a tough call. For 50 bucks, you can import it from Play Asia with like $3 shipping. Jump Ultimate Stars, that is. But for like the impulse buy, and you're just going to play it. And we'll get into this with a review, but Superstars in some areas, might actually be a little better than Ultimate Stars. Um, if you're a Dragon Ball fan, there's more playable characters in Ultimate Stars than there wasn't Superstars. Um, Mary, what do you think? I would just say go for Ultimate. Yeah? Yeah. I think it does make more sense. The game has a couple of faults. One that really pisses me off is Slowdown, but um, you can change that depending on what stage you play on, so you can kind of work around that. I don't know. I think... If this was before Ultimate Stars was out, even if we knew it was coming out, but if it was before it was out, I would say, yeah, definitely pick it up. But Ultimate Stars is out now, and I'm not sure if you should bother. It's kind of like, well, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is out. Should I get Super Street Fighter 2? Eh, you could. Actually, that's not a really good analogy, but I just wanted to say that. I don't really like to make any Street Fighter reference at any, <laughs> any chance you get. Yeah, I do. So, I don't know. That is totally your call. Do some um, additional research and see what you think. As for playing the game, either game, if you're going to get it, you want to play it because it's completely in Japanese. I'd say Ultimate Stars is a little more import friendly. It's a little easier to figure things out, especially if you have even the most rudimentary knowledge of Katakana. But there are some great FAQs online. Um, I don't really love game facts, but there are some great people over there that have written some really nice stuff for both games that will really help you out. I think IGN actually has a great guide for Jump Superstars, too. So, uh, yeah, is that all of their questions? Oh, actually, Tim already bought it. And he just wanted to know how to play it. Okay. Well, there you go, Tim. 
Check that stuff out. Mary, we have an email uh, to close out with. Ooh, from a letter. Nice. Yes, this is a follow-up email from X, uh. who we answered an email about uh, Sparky Neal and why we didn't like it. Well, X has uh, some follow-up stuff. What does X okay. have to say? X writes, how much does the English translation truly differ from the original Japanese version? I've always watched the English version and found it entertaining. Am I missing out? I've heard many hardcore fans say they never watched the English. Why would that be? I also found it strange that Vegito EX, EX, got the game, <laughs> sorry, that's what it says, got the game as an import when the English version had a feature where you could change the voices to Japanese. But the translation's really that far off. So it's kind of a two-part question. It's actually part of a longer email, but this is where the questions were. One of the questions is, why should I watch the show in Japanese as opposed to English? I like English. Well, what's the dealio? And the game he's talking about is Sparking Neo or Budokai Tenkaichi 2. Let's hit that last one first. We mentioned that the Sparking Neo that came out in Japan, the music in the game is the music from the TV show as it aired in Japan. The game that came out in America as Budokai Tenkaichi 2, yes, it does have a selectable Japanese cast. On the other hand, it has completely new music, and it's not even recycled music from the Budokai series, it's just new stuff. And I'm of the mindset that if I'm going to play a game that plays the show, I want the whole experience. It's a Japanese cast that I know and love, and it's a Japanese music that I know and love. That was kind of a no-brainer for me. The other question here, should you watch the show in Japanese? How does it compare to the English version? Are you missing anything? This is a debate that began in America in 1994 when Funimation got the license to the show. I don't think there is an answer. We can say anything we want, but there's going to be tons of people that disagree with us. Do I like the English dub of the show? No, I do not like the English dub of the show as Funimation has presented it to us. There are a couple reasons. I don't particularly love the vast majority of the voice cast. Some of them are okay. Some of the cast is good. Some of them can act well. Um, overall, I don't particularly care for them. The music has changed. I really like the Japanese version's music because that's, that's the show. The music is part of the show. Uh, and the script was... Really, really uh, up and down. <laughs> some parts it's very close, and some parts they had the general idea, and some parts they completely rewrite it to be kind of silly. Yeah. Not that there aren't silly things in the Japanese version, but when you start adding in, like, something about Nail and Frieza and the back scratcher with his arm, like... Is that really necessary? What? the hell are you talking about? So, we are fans of the Japanese version. We have a pretty decent familiarity with Funimation's English version. Given the choice, we would certainly pick the Japanese version over the American version. If you have only seen Funimation's English version of the show, I will say that, yes, you are missing out on certain things. Yeah. Whether or not you like the voices, you know, that's almost irrelevant. Yeah, because the question is, is the translation different? So, is the translation, uh, the translation different? That's yes. a fact. That's, yes, it, it's hella it different. different. Um, so, the script is a little bit different. And I really do think that the voices and the music have a lot to do with your experience. They're two different monsters. Funimation's English DBZ isn't the same show as the original Japanese DBZ. It's not as much of a travesty as Card Crafters or... Four Kids, One Piece kind of stuff. But, you know, it's still not DBZ to me. It just doesn't feel like it. And given the chance, I would much prefer to watch it in Japanese. Right. So did we answer the question about the translations? I think we did. And uh, I'm going to say, if you have some DVDs, you haven't seen it in Japanese, pop it in. See what you think. In it's fact, more it's, dramatic in Japanese. I really think it is. 
Yeah, you, you really get a sense of stuff in there. So, X, do me a favor. Watch a couple episodes in Japanese. Maybe a movie. Uh, if you want any suggestions on some good stuff to watch, let me know. Happy to help you. But if you have any DVDs, just pop them in. Send us another email and tell us what you think. Give us some time to sink in. Don't just watch, you know, like five minutes and run away screaming when you hear Masako Nozawa for the first time. Actually, you know, watch it. Let us know what you think. We really want to know. And I think that's going to wrap up the episode. Oh, no, cool. it's not. It's not? Oh, Cause, snap. Because we're going to give something away. Oh, Shouldn't have mentioned this earlier in the episode. Maybe I'll have to make a bigger note about it on the homepage or something. We were in Chicago, and we did stop at Mitsuha, and I did pick up extra copies of the Weekly Jump with the Dragon Ball One Piece crossover. And we're going to give one away, because that's how we roll at Daisenshu EX. We give free shit away. We love you guys. Very, very easy contest, as we like to do. All you have to do is send an email to contest at dizex.com. Mary, how do you spell contest? C-O-N-T-E-S-T. That's right, at, that's shift two. And then how do you spell dizex? D-A-I-Z-E-X dot com. That be it. So send us an email. Make sure there's a subject and make sure there's a name in there. You don't need to give me your full name. You don't need to give me your mailing address or anything like that. Just... Make sure there's something in the subject line so I don't delete it. And make sure there's, like, your first name or something. So or I your online it. name. Anything you want. Yeah, just something in there. And then if you win, you know, I'll get in contact with you and I'll send you it. So you have two weeks. When do you need to get this email in by? Let's say you need to have this email in by January 19th. That's a Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. So that's about two weeks. Good stuff. And we'll send you this free jump, and it's got the crossover chapter in it. It's also got other jump stuff in there, too, because it's awesome. So I think that truly wraps up the episode. Indeedy doo doo. We'll be back next week. Julian actually might not be here next week. Ah, kids in your college winter breaks. But I have plans. May or may not involve Julian. We'll have to see. So look forward to that. We have some really exciting stuff coming up. We have a new feature sort of kind of thing that we're going to do soon. Really looking forward to that. I actually wanted to do that this week, but we just couldn't um, pull it off with the necessary people in time. We definitely have that Jump Ultimate Stars review coming up. And I actually have a few uh, podcast topics based on people's emails. Uh-oh. Watch out, you guys. You're being singled out. <laughs> no, they're good stuff. Oh, okay. You're getting praised. Yay. No, like genuine, genuinely good questions about things in the show. Okay. And a couple of them are actually audio-based. That's really exciting for the podcast. That's right. So I think that does wrap up episode 59 of the podcast. Mary, yo, you have a site, and where can it be found at? I do have a site. It is called Temple of Trunks, which is a site, everything and everything related to trunks, and then some. That can be found at www.templeotrunks.com. Fantastic. And then there's... Is you guys. There's me, Mike. And the Julian. And the Julian. And friends. And friends. You can find Daizenshu EX at www.daizex.com. And uh, all the contact info is over there. If you want to send us some uh, emails for the show, podcast at daizex.com. Uh, there's that contact link. Click it. You know what to do. You've used the internet before. Uh, I hear it's all the rage these days. So uh, for Mary and for Julian, who is... I think he's in New York City right now. Having a good time. Good time. For all of them, I am Mike Labrie, Vegito EX, and I was once the wine, and you were the wine glass. 
第三週約束ポッドキャストを今週も聞いてくださってありがとうございます。次回を楽しみに。<笑>